Well, good morning to everyone. Okay, let me try that again. Good morning to everyone. There we go. Everyone meant everyone. And uh, super excited to be with you all this morning. My name is Brian McKenzie. I have the privilege to serve as one of the elders here um, at the Potter's House. And also a couple times a month get a chance to uh, bring God's word uh, for all of us together. So we're super glad you're here. Um, just, just thankful for the opportunity to, to get in his word together. Before I do that, I want to make this announcement. Um, someone approached me this morning and asked me about being baptized. Right? If you want to be baptized, let any of us elders know. We want to be we're happy to fill this tub up over here and baptize as many people as we possibly can. So just let me know. I know there's someone else, too, had mentioned, I think, a couple weeks ago, too. So if you want to be baptized, just let us know, and we'll schedule another time and um, let people honor God and glorify God through obedience and baptism. So if that's you, just let us know. Um, before we get going to here, I, I want to uh, make a, a special introduction to some friends of ours visiting us from Arkansas, uh, Clint and Tammy Good down here, sitting next to my bride. They have five children. Uh, Clint was uh, on staff with me as a pastor at Grace Bible Church down in Texas. Dear friend, we followed them all over the place to wherever they've gone to North Texas, to Florida, and to Arkansas. We've been to every home. Uh, that you all have ever lived in. Uh, in fact, uh, Clint first came to our church as a, one of our pastors um, before he was married. And then Tammy came along, praise God, <coughs> later, and then five kids, and then they did something really daring. I mean, these, these people have faith like a mustard seed that can move mountains. They have five children. Their last one was a little girl, and they gave this little girl as a middle name our last name. Really sweet, but it's pretty daring. And she has done some things that none of the other four children have ever done. And we told them, we warned them, hey, you throw that name out there, and who knows what might be able to happen with McKenzie. Uh, so we're super excited to have them. Clint, they're actually, all five of their kids are staying with us this week. We're going to have a little Camp McKenzie at our house. And uh, Clint and Tammy are going to Kansas City. Uh, um, uh, Clint is working on his uh, uh, doctorate of ministry in biblical counseling. Uh, so they've got, he's got a class this week in Kansas City, so we're going to get a chance to entertain or be entertained by the good kids. This is Clint and Tammy Good, so we're super glad to have you all with us. With that said, everybody's kind of smiling, that kind of thing. Why don't we stand up and greet the people around us? Will we do that for just a few minutes or a few seconds, I guess? All right. Well, if you can find uh, your seat or if you want to be really uh, funny, you can find somebody else's seat after they got up from it, like Aaron's right there. Somebody's going to slide in that seat, Aaron. Uh, well, also wanna, I also want to say thank you to Dan Alcar, one of our elders who taught last week. Um, thanks, Dan, for, for reminding us to live a life worthy of our calling and some great stuff in there and, and reminded that, that we're called to a relationship with God and we're also called into a relationship with others who know God. We're called into a relationship with those who are part of the family of God and what a privilege that is to be a part of God's family and, and be called into that and to do life together. So, Dan, thank you so much for reminding us of those great truths last week. Um, so with that said, uh, this, this morning also, again, I'm, I'm not pointing at you, all right? We're still having a little software problem with our clicker, so we're doing PowerPoint again, all right? So if I'm, I'm not pointing at you, just, just know that. But this morning, we're going to continue our, sto- our, our study in the two letters of Timothy, uh, First and Second Timothy, and a series uh, entitled, Be Strong in Grace. And this is part 58 of that series in these two letters, and we'll be examining this morning 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 6 through 9, and the message is entitled, The Truth About Some False Teachers in the Last Days. 
Uh, so if you have a copy of God's Word with you, and I hope that you have a copy of God's Word with you, please take it out, turn to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verses 6 through 9. So in just a way to review a little bit, so it brings us into context of where we are. If you remember the last time we were together in 2 Timothy a couple weeks ago, we examined verses 1 through 5 of chapter 3, and we were challenged by three actions to take concerning the difficult times in the last days. The first one, if you remember, was understand the reality of the difficult times in the last days. We were reminded, remember, the last days, often when we think about last days, we're thinking about the last days of the last days, like the, the end of times. That's not what this, this is talking about. The majority of the time in the New Testament, when we see the word last days, it's talking about the days between Jesus' first coming, or really after he ascended to heaven, and his second coming. That's the last days. So Paul was reminding Timothy, we've seen this before in, in the letters of Timothy, that in these last days, in these last days, Timothy, all right, these, these times between Jesus' comings, these last days, um, there's going to be difficult times. And some of your translations say terrible. They're going to be dangerous. They're going to be fearsome. They're going to be troublesome. And, and the Lord, through Paul, doesn't want us to be surprised that there'll be difficult times. Like, whoa, there's difficult times? Oh, no, and I'm not prepared. So, so he reminds us and, and wants us to understand the reality of the difficult times in the last days. And then we learn from verses 2 through the first part of chapter, uh, verse 5, the second action to take concerning the difficult times in the last days, and that's to recognize the reason for the difficult times in the last days. If you remember, the reason wasn't circumstances. It wasn't culture. right? It was people. The reason for the difficult times was people, and it was certain types of people. It was false teachers who would make the difficult times difficult. That's what made them difficult. They're actually part, this is so important for us to be reminded because we're going to look at uh, some of these kind of people in our past today. They're actually part of the visible church. They show up on Sunday morning. They they, they do show up on Sunday morning and people see them and they they seem to be part of the church, the, the visible church. But in reality, because of what they believe and what they teach and the character and the lack of change in their heart, they aren't part of the real church. And the real church or of those who have turned from trusting in themselves and trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection, what he did on their behalf, and are therefore born again. That's the real church. So remember that these people, and Paul was reminding Timothy, that the reason for the difficult times is these people who look like they're part of the church but really aren't. And he gave us 18 to 19, depending on how you count them, characteristics of these false teachers, these people who would make things difficult. And the primary problem, if you remember, that Paul spoke out, and we showed this, how it, it, it was a love problem. Remember that? They had a love problem. And it summarized they were not lovers of God, but they were lovers of self. That was the problem. Their love, their affection was placed in the wrong place. Well, the last we looked at the last part of verse 5 and discovered the third action to take concerning the difficult times in the last days, and it was to embrace the remedy for the difficult times in the last days. And, and he, Paul made the remedy, the, 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 the solution, really easy, like for guys like me who've been hitting the head a lot, okay? So we can't miss it. He says this in, 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 in verse 5. He says, avoid such men as these. That's the remedy. Avoid them. Don't, don't go around them. Don't hang out with them. Avoid them. All right, so with that review, that helps us get in the right context. Turn your attention now to our passage of Scripture this morning, all right, in 2 Timothy 3, 6 through 9. If you'd stand with me as we read this out loud together. 2 Timothy 3, 
6 through 9. Here we go. For among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men of depraved mind, rejected in guard of the faith. But they will not make further progress, for their folly will be obvious to all, just as Janus and Jambres folly was also. Lord, we ask you now to do what only you can do. Lord, you would take your word, you would implant it deep within us, you'd help us understand it, and Lord, then give us a power to apply it in our lives. We trust you with this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, as we examine uh, these verses here this morning, we're going to discover four truths about some of the false teachers in the last days, all right? And I'm just going to give you the four, four truths up front. Here they are. Here, these, are the, these are the truths about the false, some of the false teachers in the last days. They are deceptive, they are dangerous, they are damned, and they will be discovered. Say that again. They are da- deceptive, they are dangerous, they are damned, and they will be discovered, all right? So before we dive into our uh, this passage, I, I want to c- consider how important it is that, to know the truth of, of, about the world in which we live, the, 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 the difficult days, these last days, the difficult times. We, we need, it's important to know truth about that. And by, by, to, to do that, to help illustrate that, I mean, just what comes to my mind about knowing truth and the importance of knowing truth so you're prepared for difficult times. So uh, back when I was in college and I was playing college football, um, our week kind of went like this. Uh, Sunday was 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 uh, a rest day where you basically got treated for your injuries, stuff like that. You watched the film from the game before. All right? And then on Monday, we, we conditioned, we lifted weights, and then we were handed this thing called a scouting report. All right? And a scouting report is something the coaches had worked on all weekend, spent hours, and I know this because I became a coach after this, hours upon hours going over their team's film to come up with key things, key things that we need to do, key, know the key truths about this other team. All right, so in that scouting report, they would show us key formations. I play defense, key formations that they, they ran. They would, they would put key players. They would star, hey, this guy's really good. Watch out for him. Or, this guy's really fast. Or, or they may even say, hey, this guy's pretty weak. We're going to attack him. Whatever it is, just key things about different individuals on the other team. Formations, um, things like what they like to do at certain times in the game or dip, dip certain parts of the field those key things, uh, trick plays. They would have a whole section on kick trick plays, and that was a scouting report. And then after we went over the scouting report, we'd go in the film room and we'd watch film on this team. We're getting ready to play our opponents. And that would just confirm what we had just learned in the scouting report. And what this was meant to do is to help give us truths about this team that would best prepare us to have success against our opponents. Now, that's, that's why we went through that whole thing. But in a much more significant way, the Lord through Paul wants Timothy, the believers that Timothy is ministering to, and us today to know key truths about this world that we're living in. These last days where there are difficult times. He wants us to know some key truths so we can be prepared for those key truths. And specifically, he wants us to know key truths about some of the false teachers that we may encounter in, in our world. Uh, this will help us recognize and, and then not be fooled when they come along. So important to know these truths. So look with me again at, at verses 6 and 7 from our passage. And uh, um, can you back that up one slide? 
Or maybe that is a slide. I don't know. Go say, say with that slide right there. Wrong things underlined. That, that's probably on me. So um, if you look at verses 6 through 7 here, it's in these words, all right, for among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So in these words, we find our first truth about some false teachers in the last days. They, first of all, they are deceptive. They are deceptive. Notice that first word in verse 1. Now, some of your translations, if you're looking at your Bible, will not have this. Some of them do. Some of them, if you have, if you, uh, have the... Um, New American Standard, I think the ESV, the Christian Standard, the King James even, uh, starts out with the word for, all right, for. And it's understood in all other translations. And this connects, all right, back to verse 5. And, and Timothy's charged to avoid such men as these. He's saying for or because, all right, it's more reasons as to why Timothy and others are to avoid false teachers. So he says for among them, okay, he's going to tell us some other reasons to avoid false teachers. All right, then notice that phrase, among them are those. All right, this, this word among means out of. All right, it's, it's out of this group. It's identifying a subset of false teachers. Not all the false teachers, but some of the false teachers, he's saying. Some of the false teachers, this will be their tactic. This is the way they'll operate. All right, what, what Timothy's getting ready to describe is, is, is something we all need to know about this certain group of false teachers. Now, notice what some of the false teachers will do. Look at that word, enter. Some of your translations, and that, that's the New American Standard. I like some of their translations better. It, it's, I had this idea to worm their way in, to creep, right? This is what the, the, the way that they do it. This is, this is their tactic, the false teachers, some of these false teachers. The, 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 the false teachers, and it has the idea of being deceptive. They're creeping in. They don't come in, hey, look at me, I'm a false teacher. Woo! We'll see them. They don't do that. They're very deceptive. They, they, they masked their true motives, so they can get close to someone, so then when they're ready, they pounce on their prey. Now, some people in this church here just recently, um, they used to be our friends, and now they're enemies, but, uh, and they're actually in Alaska right now, but they gave us two kittens. Now, you can see why they became our enemies, all right? Um, they gave us two kittens, um, and I made sure that, 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 that they would be outside kittens. In fact, my son, who wanted these two kittens, um, Put out on our text message, you know, for our family. Our kids are all scattered across the United States about, what, you know, potential names and stuff like that. And my, my one of my sons said, you got to name one out and one side, out, one side, outside, okay, outside. That's how so critical is it to be outside. So I'm just kidding. We love this family who gave us these terrible kittens. But, but it's, it's been kind of fun because I'm a dog guy and, and kind of fun. These little kittens, they, 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 they like to play with each other and they wrestle. It's nice as they're two and they're wrestling and stuff like that. But it's fun to watch them like they're just, they're just already been trained by, for these, these, these hunting skills. And they crash down real low. And they'll see the other one kind of come around a corner and then they start creeping like this. These little kids, it's, it's, it's funny to watch and they're creeping and creeping. And as soon as the other one comes around, boom, they pounce them. All right. Now that's kittens and that's all cute and stuff. But that's exactly what false teachers do. That's what he's talking about. They're deceptive. They creep in, and they're, they're crouching real low. So you don't, you don't know what they're getting ready to do. You just think they're cute like a little kitten. And then all of a sudden, boom, they're on top of you. I, I think the back to something, uh, maybe a better illustration of, of this idea of creeping or, or, or just worming in in Genesis 3 when Satan, the serpent, comes slithering in to the garden. Deceptive. Oh, he was deceptive. And he comes to Eve, and he hides his true motives, 
and then strikes. If you think about how, what happened, the first thing that the serpent did, he questioned the word of God. He said, indeed, has God said? Or some of your translations say, has God really said? He's calling to question the word of God. He questions the word of God, which causes Eve. Now, she's already deceived a little bit, and Eve adds to the word of God. And talking about the fruit of the, 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 fruit of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil, God said, don't eat it. Eve says, he said, you shall not eat or touch it. He didn't say you couldn't touch it. She's already added to the word of God. She's already being deceived. And then the enemy, he denies the word of God. He says, you will surely not die when he said that if they eat from it, you will die. He denies God's word. And then lastly, Eve disobeys God's word. So the deception started off with the questioning of God's word, which ended up adding to God's word, then to denying God's word, and then disobeying God's word. And that was all, all part of his deceptive scheme to worm his way in, to slide in there unsuspected, and then boom. And we all know the, the effects of sin in our world from that first sin. And if you want to blame them, we've done the same thing. Just don't, don't say, well, it's their fault. No, we would have done the same thing, and we all know. That's what happens. The Lord through Jude also warns about these types of false teachers in Jude 4. Look what it says. For certain persons have crept in, here's the word again, unnoticed. Those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of God into lasciviousness and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. These false teachers, they creep their way in. This in Jude is talking about specifically those who take the grace of God and turn it into license for sin. Oh, God's gracious. He'll forgive me. I'll just do whatever I want. That was these, but they creep in. Well, they creep in, they don't announce that they're false teachers, as I said, and, 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 and much of their message sounds good. It sounds good. They will use biblical terms. They'll even talk things like about grace and about faith. They'll talk, about, they'll talk positively about Jesus. And just when they have you convinced they are harmless, that's when they introduce the false teaching. Right there. Right at that moment. Oh, they're on our side. They like Jesus. They, they, they say they love Jesus. They talk about grace. They talk about faith. But you need to question what, they what their understanding about grace and faith is. Because it may not be biblical. And I'm telling you, it's all over the place in our world today. I just reminded this, someone who was having correspondence from um, a, one of the elders in the Mormon church. And this is a, a well-known pastor in our country who was having correspondence back and forth with this person. And the, the person said, hey, Quit, quit saying we don't believe that we're saved by grace. That's not true. Mormons believe we're saved by grace. And this pastor was like blown away. What? I, that's not what you believe. And Oh, that's what we believe. So he, he wrote back, explained to me what you mean by that. He said, well, God has graciously allowed us to work for our salvation. That's not grace. Grace is a gift. You don't work for it. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. See what I'm saying? They use the word grace. So we got to be really careful about those who slide in. They're deceptive. Uh, the, 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 and I love this, that they, they creep in. These guys are creeps. That's what they are. They're creeps. And that's what a creep does. Well, who do they try to receive? Notice what it says there back in our, in our, in our passage. It says, they... they they captivate weak women. This, this word captivate means to gain control of their mind, their will, and emotions. They're going to captivate them. 
right? And notice whose mind and will and emotions are going to captivate. It says weak women. Some of your um, translations say weak-willed or gullible or vulnerable or idle. Uh, it, it's literally the word little women. That, that's literally, it's, it, it, but it's used figuratively as those who follow someone, all right? And now this is not true of all women. Just the ones Paul is pointing out here. Paul actually lifts up women throughout his letters. Let me make this very clear. And you go ahead and just check it on me because sometimes Paul gets a bad rep. He lifts women to a place that women were not in that society, in a greater place. And, he began, and we've seen that in 1 Timothy, how he taught how to honor women. If you remember that, if you hear 1 Timothy, and then chapter 1 of, of 2 Timothy, he honors Timothy's mother and grandmother, speaking of their sincere and pure faith. In this letter that's going to be read to a whole church, you're kidding me, you're going to uplift women? That's exactly what Paul did. So if you've ever heard or if you believe that Paul was down on women, you haven't read the Bible. And I'll say with all strength and all honesty and truth and that my voice on that, that that's true. You don't, you don't understand what Paul's trying to do. That's what you think. He doesn't. He loves women. He lifts them up. So he's not picking on women here. But there were some particular women in this day. It just happened to be the women because they were at home as the men were out working in the fields or whatever they were doing. That, that, that's what's happening to. But, but the key is they're vulnerable people, not necessarily just women, but people who are vulnerable. Right? They're, they're vulnerable for a number of different reasons. Right? He's pointing out that, 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 that these particular false teachers seek out vulnerable people. That's what they do. That's why he says it that way. So in what way were these people vulnerable or weak? Paul actually gives three descriptions of these, these women and what makes them vulnerable or weak. Look at verse 6 with me, the, the, the phrase, weighed down with sin. Some translations say loaded down. It means to be burdened with sins. It's a piling up of sins. They just keep piling up. It, it's in the, it's in the, I've said this before. I'm just explaining this to you again. It's in the perfect tense. They're weighed down. It's past action, ha, have been weighed down, all right? completed action with a resulting state of being, meaning that weight just stays on there. They're being weighed down. They were weighed down. They're continuing to be weighed down on and on and on and on. It's a, the, the, the consequences and the effects of sin just continue to weigh on them. They're weighed down in the sense that they are, they're experiencing guilt and shame that accompany sin. They are desperately looking for a way out from underneath this weight. They have this weight on. They can't get it out off of them. They're just weighed down by the sin in their life, sin that's happened in the past, maybe ongoing sin. The weight of the sin has made them very vulnerable, right? So this, that's the first thing we learned about these vulnerable people, that sin is weighing them down. Now look at the second way Paul describes their vulnerability in verse 6. Led on by various impulses or desires or passions. And this word is mostly used, and it is in this context, of evil desires, um, it's, it, and this is a result of their sin. The sin that's weighing down is, is, is leading them to be led by their impulses. It's in the present tense, meaning they just keep, they keep being led, 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 led. They're being led by their, these never-ending impulses that are never satisfied. And, and it could lead to some of these pulses or passions, impulses, could have a sexual content to them, but maybe not all. All right, but instead of being led by the word of God, they are led by their impulses. They are being led by their feelings and emotions. And that's a bad place to be. You ever been there? You ever made decisions based upon your feeling or emotions? How'd that go? Not real good. Because our feelings and emotions flunked out in second grade. They, they, they can't handle real, real difficult times. We need truth to base 
our, our decisions. And we need to be led by the truth of God's word. And, and the, these, 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 these particular women here and other people who are vulnerable, they're described as those who are being led by their impulses, their feelings, their emotions are what leading them. They're not, they're not thinking about what's going on. They're just being led by what's on, on side, what I feel like. Well, that, that'd be good. Well, it's obviously very dangerous. And then notice a third way in which Paul describes their vulnerability in verse 7. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Heresy after heresy has desensitized them to the truth. They are carried away by every wind of doctrine, as Paul would write in Ephesians chapter 4. They're just carried, any, a new, new, new teaching comes along, hey, that sounds pretty good over there. Well, 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 here's another one over here. And they're, they're just like a wind, right? We're just being carried along. That's what ha- what's happening. They're always searching, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. They're so desperate to get out from underneath. Remember, what's motivating them in some ways is to get out from underneath the weight of their sin. They just keep looking for new truth. Is there any more truth? Is there something else that can get this weight off of me? Now, now notice um, that, that the word's never able. It's an inability to do so. They don't have the ability to come to the knowledge of the truth in and of themselves. They're never able. They're able. They don't, they're not able to do so. And then the knowledge of the truth is speaking of the truth of the gospel, salvation from the penalty of sin. They're never able to come to the knowledge of the truth about the gospel. They are looking for freedom from their, from their sin, but they're looking in all the wrong places, all the new stuff. It's already been pointed out in First and Second Timothy that at least some of the false teaching going on centered around the wrong use of the law. Some of the false teachers were wrongly using the law. The law is good. God gave it to us. But they were saying the law is what you keep. Jesus is good and everything, but the law is what you keep to go to heaven. And we've talked about this before multiple times. There's 613 um, laws in the, in the Mosaic Law. We can't remember the top 10. How are we going to keep 613? But they were saying you've got to keep the law to be made right with God. That's how they were using the law. No, but the scripture teaches that the law was meant to be used to show us our sin and need for a savior. We could look at the law and we look at our life and say, oh no, I'm guilty. I mean, I start with number one, I'm guilty. Number two, I'm guilty. Number three, I'm guilty. I'm guilty, I'm guilty, I'm guilty. I'm in trouble, I need a savior. And it causes us to look up to the savior Jesus Christ that he sent for us. That's what the law is meant to do. But these false teachers, some of them were using the law in the wrong way. And this is appealing all right, you come up with a few, a few this, probably on 613, they probably had their own laws they begin to make up, which we all do. All right, they had their own list. Okay, if you just do this, and if you don't eat this food, and if you do this, and a little bit more of that, and people will see that, and then that'll make you right with God. I mean, it's appealing because it's, it's conforming the outside. The outside, people see the outside. But the problem is it's not transforming the inside where the real problem is. This will not lead to freedom that they seek. But in reality, it will lead, only lead to bondage, more bondage. Only the one true gospel that we're saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, can bring true freedom. That is the knowledge of the truth that brings life. So we see here in verses 6 and 7 that the false teachers are deceptive. And, and we see they seek to deceive the vulnerable. And maybe you're here this morning. And because of sin in your life, you're feeling the weight of it and the guilt and shame is crushing you. Maybe you've been making lots of decisions based upon impulses. Please don't go looking for new truth. Where you can perform some kind of work 
to try to gain God's favor and forgiveness. It won't work. You can't gain God's favor and, uh, by working for it. His standard is 100%. He doesn't grade on the curve. You either get them all right or it's all wrong. Please don't go looking for some new truth that lies and says that can happen. Instead, cling to the old truth. The old truth, the faith that was once for delivered to all the saints. The eternal truth that God was in Christ reconciling, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. That's the old truth. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's how you can get rid of the weight of sin that's weighing you down, that makes you vulnerable for more false teaching. Whatever, whatever it is, just men, women, children, we can all be vulnerable. And I'm telling you, don't go looking for new truth. Just turn and say, God, I believe that you sent Jesus to die in my place, to forgive me my sin, to take the weight and the penalty of sin off of me. And I turn from trusting in myself, and I trust in what Jesus did on my behalf. Then you'll know freedom. That's the real truth, the only truth about how you can be made right with God and get rid of that weight of sin. Well, now turn your attention to the first part of verse 8 in our passage this morning. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. And see, in these words, we find our second truth about some of the false teachers in the last days. They are dangerous. They are dangerous. Notice the, 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 the phrase, Janus and Jambres opposed Moses. Who in the world are Janus and Jambres? And you're like, how do you know how to pronounce them? I'm just pronouncing them with confidence. I have no idea. All right? Their names are not mentioned in Exodus, where we learn about Moses, nor are they mentioned anywhere in the Old Testament. But Jewish tradition holds that they were two of the Egyptian magicians who opposed um, Moses in Exodus when he was standing before Pharaoh. If you know the story, he was doing all the, God gave him all these miracles to do to show Pharaoh to authenticate, authenticate the message God had given him. And early on, guess what? These magicians were doing the exact same tricks. They were doing the exact, the exact same miracles, probably by the power of the enemy, but they were doing the same up to a point, and then they couldn't keep up. But they were doing it, and, and, and th these, are, these are the guys that they were given, given a name. Some people talk about their names having to do some of be, be de being deceivers, being liars. We don't know exactly what it is, but, but people knew. And, and when Paul wrote to Timothy and these believers that Timothy was leading and, and shepherding, they understood who these, who these guys were. And, and see, they, they, they opposed Moses. It says they opposed Moses by, by performing many of the same miracles that he performed, which ended up, listen, hardening Pharaoh's heart so he would not accept the truth of God's message. And by opposing Moses in this way, they were really promoting a lie and opposing God and his message to let his people go, which would have brought freedom to God's people. Think about this. What they were doing, they were deceiving the people, they were doing all these things and causing Pharaoh to not believe God's message, which would have brought him freedom. That's what these, 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 these magicians were doing. Paul is using this account as an illustration to compare what the false teachers were doing in Paul and Timothy's day and in our day as well. Now notice in verse 8 how Paul compares these men, the false teachers, to Janus and John Brees with the words, oppose the truth, to set, set oneself against. And, and notice that they oppose the truth, definite article. Not a truth, but the truth. It's talking about the gospel. When you look at this, the truth, all right, in, in, the, in, in the pastoral epistles, 1st, 2nd Timothy and Titus, it's always talking about the gospel. And it's also in the present tense. They continually oppose the truth of the gospel. That's what these false teachers are doing, just like Janice and John Breeze did. 
They are also they're outside. It's proving that they're outside of God's people. Were Janice and John Breeze followers of the one true God, Yahweh? No. Are these people, these men that are that they're deceiving people, part of the one true body of Christ? No. They're not part of God. They're outside of God. And their message was not true. They're opposing God's message. Therefore, these men are dangerous. They are dangerous because they're trying to stop the one true message of freedom from getting out to the people who need to believe it. And if people don't believe that God's message of freedom from sin through, through Jesus Christ, they will forever be under the weight of sin. They will die in their sin and be forever separated from God in a place called hell. That's dangerous. Wouldn't you agree? These men are dangerous, these false teachers. Well, now turn your attention to the second half of verse 8. Men of depraved mind rejected in regard to the faith. It's in these words we find the third truth about some of these false teachers in the last days. They are damned. They are damned. Now, not, not some of your parents got to explain this to your kids when you get home that Brian wasn't cussing in, in church, all right? This is the, but they're damned, all right? Uh, notice the words depraved mind or corrupted or ruined mind. It's, it's, in, it's also in the perfect tense. It's a past action. At some point, their mind became depraved. It became corrupted and is continuing in that state. It's not changing. It's continuing in that state. Their mind cannot and will not embrace the truth. And, and this, this same phrase is used by Paul in Roman, Roman, Romans 1 about those who reject God. Look at what it says in Romans 1. Romans 1, And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things we're not, which are not proper. They decide, we, God, no thanks. We don't like doing it your way. We're going to do it our way. And it just goes on and on and on. So he finally he says, and God gave them over to a depraved mind, a corrupt mind who can't think straight and therefore can't act straight and will not submit to God. Well, notice how else back in our, in our passage, uh, Paul describes these false teachers, rejected in regard to the faith. All right? They're disqualified is another way to say that. This is a result of a depraved mind. This, that word rejected, it's used of, of metals that didn't pass the purity test. And therefore, since they didn't pass the purity test, they were rejected. It's also used for counterfeits. It's not real. And that's opposite of Timothy, who was tested and proved to be true. Right? And notice the phrase, the faith, kind of like the truth, the faith. The faith that alone can rescue from the penalty of sin. It's like about the faith, the faith in Christ. Therefore, these false teachers are not Christians, for they don't come to God through faith in Jesus Christ alone. In other words, they're damned. They're condemned by God because of that, because they reject his only way to be made right with him. We should pray for them. We talked about this before in the end of chapter 2. We should pray for them and, we, and, and, and share the gospel with them in gentleness, just like Paul instructed in 2.25, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. That's what we should do for these men who are damned. Pray for them and gently share with them the gospel, with perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to life. Well, look at verse 9 with me but they will not make further progress for their folly will be obvious to all just as Janus and John Bree's folly was also. Here's a fourth truth about some of the false teachers in the last days. They will be discovered. They will be discovered. Notice the phrase, but they will not make, will no, will not make further progress. Paul encourages Timmy, Timothy that as bad as these false teachers are and as deceptive as they are, they will not win. Isn't that good news? That's great news because they're all over our world today. 
They have been in all the last days. No matter how bad they are, no matter how sneaky they are, no matter how new ways they come up to present falseness, they won't win, ultimately. That's good news. Why does Paul so confidently say this? Well, you see there, it says, for, or because. Here's the reason. He gives a reason. They will not make no further progress. Because or for their folly will be obvious to all, just as Janice and John Brace's folly was also. Their folly and deception will be discovered. They will be shown to be just what they are, those who deceive and who are dangerous and who are damned. Janice and John Breeze, after a certain point, guess what? They couldn't keep up with God's miracles through Moses. They couldn't keep up, and they were exposed. They were exposed, and that's what he's saying. He's using this, this illustration with these same guys, all right? And, and, and false teachers will eventually be exposed. It'll be exposed for who they are, through their character, through what they teach, the way they treat people. It will be exposed, they will be discovered. The mask will be pulled off. All right, it's kind of like the, the, you know, the Wizard of Oz, the great wizard, right? And when he first, Dorothy and all her friends come in, they're shaking, and all of a sudden, he, they, little Toto finds somebody behind the curtain, right? They pull back the curtain. He's not near as scary as, as you, thought, you thought he was, is he? He was unmasked. He wasn't the great Wizard of Oz. And these false teachers, I'm sorry if I ruined the Rizzo for all of you, all right? But these false teachers, the same way, they will be unmasked. The curtain will be pulled back, and they will be seen for who they really are. Their message will be futile and false. Well, the Lord, through John, speaks of these false teachers being discovered when he writes in 1 John 2.19. Look what it says. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out, so it will be shown that they are not of us. That's what's going to happen. Praise God. That's good news. They will be discovered. The fact that these enemies of God and his church will be discovered and make no progress should not surprise us. Because what did Jesus say about his church? That the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Isn't that good news? Bring it on. That's what I'm saying. Bring it on. Because we got the God of all the universe on our side. we got his truth. And when stacked up against any falsehood, we'll crush it every time. We'll crush it every single time. They will be discovered. Praise God. We win. We win. Well, so what? What difference does all this make? What, what difference does it make that we know that, that these truths about some false teachers in the last days, that they're deceptive, they're dangerous, they're damned, and they will be discovered? Well, we know the opponents of the gospel, and, 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 and therefore we can work on our ability not to be deceived by them. We know about them. We know, okay, this is, their, this is their tricks. This is what they're trying to do. Okay, I know that. Well, how can I, what can I do to keep from being deceived by them? Well, we must know the truth. We must know the faith. Not just a truth or a faith, the. And it's contained right here. It's, it's contained right here. And you're like, okay, I've heard this answer before. That's pretty simple. You know what? Why does it have to be complicated? Why does it have to be complicated? It's contained right here. We need to know God's, and this means we've got to have a plan. We need to get into it and let it get into us. Uh, this illustration brought up here is called, it's a navigator word hand illustration. I've used this before. All right, it's got, you start with your pinky. You've you got to hear God's word. That's what we're doing right now. We're hearing God's word. You can also listen to it on, the, on, on, on your um, phone now, right, or whatever else device. You can listen to God's word. You, you hear God's word. You read God's word. You study God's word. You memorize God's word. You meditate on God's word. And when you do that, you'll have a really good grasp, look, 
of the word of God. See how it happens? As we do these things with the word of God, it allows us to have a great grasp on his word so we can not be deceived. We'll know the truth. We'll know the faith. Instead of being led by our impulses and desires when presented with false teaching, we will be like the Bereans in Acts 17.11. Look what they did. Now, these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica. Paul had just been run out of Thessalonica. He comes to Berea, okay, comes to Berea, and Paul preaches the truth, and it says, for they received the word with great eagerness, and listen to what they did. This is the apostle Paul. What they did with what he had to say, they examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. They heard something, okay, that's pretty good, Paul. Okay, let me go check it. Right here, brother. All right. All right, that lines up. Let's see, that's what they did. They examined the scriptures daily to see if these things that Paul was saying were true. Anytime we hear something, we need to go right here. This needs to be, this needs to be the paper shredder right here. Anything we hear, we need to take it through God's word. And whatever comes out on the other side, that's truth. Anything's all shredded up, that's not. We've got to know it. We've got to know we've got to be in it. We gotta, it's got to be in us. And, and really our first defense at, at not being deceived is first knowing God through faith in Jesus. Then you will be, right, be able to rightly understand the truth of God's word and have the power to resist the deception. So, so I just implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God this morning if you're not. If, you, if you're still trusting in your goodness and what you can do to make yourself right with God, anything. I mean, I ask people this question all the time. How are you made right with God? Well, you know, I go to church. Ooh, stop right there. It's not how you're made right with God. Well, I've been baptized. Nope, 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 nope. I took communion. Nope, nope, nope. You, you, anything you say, I'm going to say nope. Anything you say about what you do, I'm going to say nope. And you were rescued from your sin because of Jesus. And you trusted in what he did on your behalf. That's the only way we're made right with God. So if you've never done that, if you're still trusting in anything, even good things, you're trusting in anything but in Christ alone, I'm urging you this morning, imploring you to turn from trusting in yourself and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and his death, death, burial, resurrection for your sin. He's your substitute. He paid for your penalty. I'm urging you to do that this morning. Then you'll be able to handle a road of God. Then you won't be deceived. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you so much for your word. Lord, just, just pray, Lord, that you would uh, plant it again deep within us. Would help us know it more so we can know your heart more and then be powered, empowered by God the Holy Spirit to put it into practice, to be able to discern what is true and to walk in the truth and the joy of walking your truth. Lord, thank you for warning us about false teachers, warning us about their deception, and reminding us, Lord, that they won't win in the end. Thanks for encouraging us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before I have you stand back up, just remind you we're going to have prayer teams down at both corners here. If you'd like to pray with somebody, want to learn more about walking with Jesus, have questions, they'll be here for you. So would you stand with me as I pray this over. This is our closing blessing, 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.